The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, let's get into our final conversation of the day. We're looking at the rise of generator theft. And, you know, it's been reported by the telecommunications providers um, who are reporting theft at major cell phone towers around the country. So first it was batteries, now it's theft. And, of course, this impacts the quality of communication that we have. It looks like there are syndicates that are operating in this uh, area and it's resulting in a loss of millions of rand. And of course, unfortunately, these syndicates don't just stop at the generators and the batteries. They're also going after the copper, the diesel. I mean, stealing and stripping whatever they can find in sight. Cameron Roby is a private investigator with Six Sense Protection Group. Cameron, good morning to you. Morning, Cathy. Thanks for having me here. And Trisha Parshatam is CEO of Red Dragon Protection Services. Trisha, good morning to you. Good morning, Cathy. Thanks for having me. Cameron, what are you seeing based on the work that that, that, that you have done in, into this field? So what I've been noticing is uh, mobile generators are getting stolen from uh, high sites, satellite sites. And it's uh, it started to um, it was started in KZN, and now it's shifted into Johannesburg, Pretoria. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of reports lately that these mobile generators are getting stolen, and uh, we're still investigating the case. So, when you say it started off in KZN and it's moving, does this imply that we have the same syndicates that are just changing territories? Or that there are those who are looking at what others are doing in KZN and thinking, hey, I could be doing that in Joburg. Yeah, I just think that uh, KZN was obviously, they, they, they got the, the message first to like, these generators are worth something. We can sell them for, for some good money. Mm. And then uh, it shifted to Joburg. And now the syndicates in Joburg are starting to hit all of these mobile generators. Mm. And, and so it's too early to say whether these are the same syndicates. I don't think they're the same syndicates. Okay. Yeah. Trisha, from from the study that, that, that you have done, what, what have you learned about these hits? Um, so essentially, Kathy, these hits are well orchestrated. Obviously, the definition of a syndicate is... It's, it's, it's very self-explanatory. You're dealing with a well-organized group of criminals. So you've got the need for the generators, and that means that you've got a market for them to distribute it within. Um, essentially, the bottom line is that these syndicates are extremely well-armed. They are well-informed, and they are well-supported. Um, And that is a huge problem because essentially the minute a crime goes from petty crime to vandalism to sabotage and then to syndication, you have a huge problem on your hand. Um, It is a crime that has taken the country um, by storm. And if you look at statistics, it's up by 250% in South Africa. And that is a huge number, uh, and it's a rapid increase in a very short space of time, and that is a concern. Mm, You're right, Trisha. It is very worrying hearing these statistics. Maybe, Cameron, bring us into the loop. What are these generators worth, and what do the criminals do once they've stolen them? 
So they're easily worth between 250,000 Rand up sure. to 500,000 Rand. Um, so basically what the syndicate does is they take them to a location and they strip all tracking devices, serial numbers, m- markings on the generators, mm-hmm. and try even repaint that generator. And then there it goes to market. And there's, there's a black market for generators. Look, we have an incredible electricity crisis, so not surprising that we have this kind of black market. So, look, I've, I've been seeing in my investigations, Facebook Marketplace is the big selling uh, place to sell these generators. And also local businesses. Mm-hmm. The syndicate then asks the local business whether it's a butchery in a location. Oh, but you don't have a generator. How are you keeping your, your meat cold and, and so forth? Mm-hmm. Let me give you a generator for 40000 or 60000 mm-hmm. So they're selling it at way below market value as well. That's correct. Tricia, Facebook market is something that's accessible to anybody who's got a Facebook account. So is it that difficult to try and track down some of these syndicates? Um, it's very easy to track them down, but they are they are so, like I had said earlier on, they are so well informed and they're so quick with disposing of the generator. It's like when you look at the crime, um, when you look at hijacking, there's a need for the car that they hijack. So, yes, they would be on marketplace, but that is a small portion of the generators that are stolen that are put onto Facebook Marketplace. So that's generally maybe the third or fourth party that's selling it. So the actual syndicate itself um, has already uh, dissolved itself from the actual selling off it once it hits Facebook Marketplace. The syndicate itself um, would then, once they need to distribute the generators um, it's distributed to the the party that requires it. Um, and as has been said, it's stripped and already put into place, etc. So it's the third or fourth seller that you are now encountering on Facebook Marketplace, and they're going to send you on a wild goose chase. So it is easy, but it's not as easy as just tracking down the syndicate through Facebook Marketplace. Of course, this raises questions about then the consumers who are buying these generators and not asking the the relevant questions, which I think can be the next part of our conversation. We're looking at the targeting of infrastructure, particularly telecommunications infrastructure. We started with the batteries. Now it's the generators. There's also copper and diesel uh, that criminal syndicates are after and, you know, really destroying key infrastructure. It's 11.30. We'll continue with Cameron and Tricia after the latest news headlines. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. We continue the conversation on the talking point. Cameron and Tricia are my guests for this morning, and we're looking at the theft of generators, particularly um, at major cell phone towers. So, Cameron, how long does it take to actually steal one of these mobile generators? So, Kathy, first they have to grind the lock that's uh, on there. So they've got a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either placed in a location or close to a residential area. Some some of them, they suss the, um, the generator site out first 
to make sure that it's not manned. If it's manned, they'll use uh, firepower and uh, take down the guard that's uh, uh, guarding this generator. And then they'll then use a grinder to grind off all the locks. And um, they've also made um, special mechanisms in place to try and not move like chains and, and all of these uh, um, things to prevent this generator theft. They've, uh, they'll also disable all of that and then get the generator mobile and take out of the tracking devices. And they also use GSM uh, signal jammers. And then they'll go to their uh, location and mm. um, just make sure everything's hundreds. But yeah. yeah. When you say they'll take down the guard, what have you seen? There's been reports of guard being, guards being injured, tied up, mm. um, and so forth. Look, uh, Trisha, I suppose the, the one thing that uh, companies may often look to when infrastructure is under threat is getting human cap- capital out there so that you have people physically guarding, uh, guarding the property. But this, if what Cameron is saying is anything to go by, might not be the best solution. Well, Kathy, I can tell you from personal experience, we... As a company, we actually escort telecommunication technical teams out to the towers. And um, in January, we had two of our team members taken down at one of the sites. Um, And they were mobbed. They were mobbed with high-caliber firearms. Um, they They were taken down execution style. And um, you're talking a highly trained group of people that operate in these areas. And, um, you know, it's a very difficult, a very tough pull to swallow as the CEO of a security company, because, I mean, these were highly skilled um, tactical officers that work for us. And Mm -hmm. when you are mobbed by a syndicate that knows exactly when to act, how to act, and they come with such high caliber weapons, there's absolutely nothing you can do. Um, and they, the timing is absolutely implicit. They, they watch, they know when you're packing up. So you'd find that you are mostly at risk when you are packing up from closing, um, you know, from uh, once you've done your services at the power lines, mm-hmm. um, uh, you, you are now vulnerable. You're closing up and you're leaving. But that's the time where obviously the guys are, are highly trained to say, listen, we've got to keep our ears and eyes out. They kind of... Uh, take certain positions. Uh, these guys know that. So they actually attacked our guys from behind. Sure. Um, so they sit, they watch, they analyze. Um, as Cameron says, this is a very well-organized group of criminals, and they spend a lot of time understanding um, how the technicians operate, when they come out there, what they do, when they are at their weakest point. Um, including watching how the security teams operate. Um, And then remember, once they've come in and they've taken out the the generators and the batteries and what they need, um, the site is left unmanned, or should I say unsecure, in Mm. a sense where the fences are now done. And then that's when you get the vandalism that happens, because that's when the small petty crime happens. And those guys... Um, generally they harm you, but they're not as harmful as the syndicate members are. 
So by then, when the vandalism happens, it's 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 the more it's the smaller guys that are coming in for the copper, etc. So the main firearm power happens when the main syndicates come in, and that's when your security are there and your teams are on sites, etc. Tricia, yeah. the fact that you, as somebody who runs a security company, is outpowered in terms of gunfire or gunpower by the syndicates, you know, is is incredibly alarming because what then do you do? You Are, you, are they forcing you to sort of, are they putting you in your corner where you have to keep sending personnel and therefore risking more lives in the process? No. So actually, look, through every adversity, there are lessons learned. Um, and unfortunately, some of the lessons are hard. Um, so as a company, we've put in various um, various systems in place to mitigate the risk. Um, you know, we've had meetings with telecommunication um, companies and we've obviously sat down and we've come up with ways, which I obviously don't want to discuss sure, on national enough. radio. Fair. Yes, yes, yes fair enough. Away, yeah, fair enough. Yes, fair enough. We're giving away information that should not be, but we've obviously put um, a lot of, um, you know, actions in place that would mitigate the risk against our teams, as well as the technical guys that go onto site. Um, and these have are obviously well thought through. Um, and, you know, we hope that this will obviously decrease the loss of lives. But in terms of the actual generators being stolen, uh, when there is no security personnel on site, that is also something that as, as a security company, we are currently advising and putting together plans in place for telecommunication companies. Um, you know, they... they as I say, these guys are, are 10 steps ahead of us. So they understand that there are trackers, et cetera, on the units, but there are other plans that are being put yeah. into place to obviously release or reduce the risk of um, these generators going too far. Right. So they may be able to take it out, but it may not make it that far. All right. Um, I want to go to Tulani in Nambiti. Tulani, good morning. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Uh, Katie, uh, the the painful truth is that our country is under siege when it comes to this uh, syndicate that is targeting our infrastructure, mostly from foreigners. And in the entire uh, world country, there is no single country that is under siege from South African criminals. But in our country, we have a lot of syndicates that are worrying us, involving a number of foreigners. And this is so painful for us as South Africans because uh, our country has become a playground for these foreigners. Thank you, Kate. All right, Tulani, look, I, I think, you know, infrastructure in this country is under siege. Cameron, far enough to say that these syndicates are not people who have documentation to be in South Africa? Would you go that far? So look, it varies. Eh? I wouldn't say they're just foreign nationals. They they work with South African uh, citizens as well. Mm. Yeah. So when you are then trying to tighten um, security around this issue, Cameron, where where's the first place to start? And also, um, it, are there no patrols of security, the areas? 
does this crime take place mostly at night? So, so I'm trying to, to, to sort of paint a picture in my head of, 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 of how this all unfolds. So we've got a solution to this problem. Uh, we're busy using forms of technology. And, um, yeah, most, most of the generators I've seen that I'm dealing with on my cases have been stolen during the night, sometimes in the day. So it all varies. But mostly at night when it's dark, there's no lights around. Um, that's when they come in and they, they steal the generators. Listening to the precision that both you and Trisha say these syndicates have, um, sounds to me like there's a lot of inside information that's being passed on. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you can ask Trish that question. Mm. Um, we've done multiple polygraph testing on lots of stuff uh, with the clients that I'm dealing with, and it doesn't look like there's uh, inside information from my side. I don't know what Trish has to say on that. Yeah. No, Trish, I'll come to you in a moment. So if there's no inside information, how else are they able to be as accurate as they are? So we, with my clients, we've done all the testing and stuff like that, but there's a lot of outsourced companies that fit the tracking devices and I so see. forth. And there, we don't have a mandate to polygraph those companies. So there might be possible uh, inside information from their side. All right, all right. So it, it's, it's really about looking at the service providers and the entire ecosystem yeah. and seeing where some of the gaps might be. Yeah. Trish? Look, from my side, Kathy, yes, there could be inside information, but in all honesty, uh, community members can make us or break us. So community members, we've got we've got a situation of desperation. We've got a lot of people that have been left jobless in South Africa. So they'll do anything for a quick buck. You know, you 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 get people that are that make very good lookouts. Um, so they'll be able to inform someone, look, a, gen a new generator has been fitted, it's been done, the teams have left, and you can come in now. Um, a simple person just standing on the road, mulling about, or even somebody that's sitting down there and selling loose cigarettes on the road. Remember, the locations of these um, towers vary. So you get them uh, in mostly they in in your in your very far away locations so it's very easy for somebody to be sitting there and watching this and you won't even know that they are watching a tower because there's a lot of um there's a lot of bush and debris where they can hide and um and look out and right. see hey they've just come in they've put in a battery so it's a simple it's a simple process of human intelligence that is being used here um oh. and just informers it's it's um it's this it's a string of people that are involved in this all right um you know and and in terms of the you know in terms of information information is sold at a very high price at the moment mm. especially to syndicates and they will pay any amount of information uh, any amount of money for information, and they've got the very reliable sources that are out there. All right, Tricia. We'll have to leave it there. I know that um, our session with you is about to time out on that Zoom. Uh, Tricia Pashotam, CEO of Red Dragon Protection Services. Cameron, what can members of the public do? I know you've, uh, Tricia, spoke about people coming forward with information. 
what else can we do? So we can look, to be honest with you, I work closely with SAPS. Yeah. So if any member sees any vandalism or anything like that, phone SAPS on 10111 um, and they'll dispatch a vehicle. Um, we are working closely with SAPS I've on a lot of uh, WhatsApp groups with a lot of SAPS members that are very proactive. Mm. We're all there to try, you know, curb that ball of crime. I've got this question from Lakim Pretoria East, who, who's asking, did your guests go to the outlets which sell these signal jammers to establish if there's a particular trend in the purchases so that they can get intelligence on how to deal with the problem? So these signal jammers you can buy online. Okay. You can literally import them from overseas, and they're not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can literally go online now and I can buy a signal jammer. What else can they do with the signal jammers? Uh, so all your GSM signals go through that signal jammer. So mm-hmm. if you want to hijack a vehicle, you can uh, use that signal jammer also to hijack a vehicle. How close do you have to be to that vehicle? Uh, so you have to, the signal jammers are basically plugged in with uh, uh, into the, uh, light, uh, the lighter charger. Okay. They plug it in. and uh, But those signal jammers also have a time limit where they overheat. And then as soon as they overheat, that signal pops up, and then that's when we go go for the, the vehicle and recover okay. it or the, the generator and recover the generator. All right. So, so how much time does it have, really? You're, you're looking at it roughly between 30 and 50 minutes. Okay. So it is a significant amount yeah, of time. Yeah, it depends on the signal jammer that you are purchasing. One last one here, Kathy. It's Brian Mabaye. I worked as a security guard myself. The criminal syndicates can paint the vehicles with the company that you worked with the same dress code. Uh, the criminals can also use that. That's something you see often? So for me, that's not something that I've seen often. Yeah. I'm going to be, be honest with you. I've been in the industry for 12 years. I've only ever seen it once. Mm. And uh, that was in 2013. Okay. I haven't seen it again. All right. Cameron, thank you so much for coming in and for giving us this information. In fact, I think we need to do a, a separate conversation, right, just to enlighten us on what some of the, the trends in crime are that, that can help members of the public better protect themselves. 100%. Just as private citizens. Um, that, that's coming up as you're talking just about some of these things and the signal jammers and hijackings, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully we'll be able to get you back on the show. Uh, Cameron Roby, private investigator with Six Sense Protection Group. As we come to the end of the talking point for today, up next is the book reading.